everybody was Squid Game watching. Those cats were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. Yeah. There are so many things wrong with that intro, which I will expand upon in just a minute. Happy holidays, marketing maestros. This is Shanita Akintande, professor, author, career coach, and marketing shero. I invite you to join me for this very special edition of my Marketing Insights podcast series entitled Everybody Was Squid Game Watching. It's holiday season, and while the funky tune you just heard is a long way away from Jingle Bells, it does sound the alarm when it comes to the way members of the Asian demographic are portrayed in terms of media in general and marketing specifically. As a disclaimer, the original track and accompanying words from the original song released by Carl Douglas in 1976 and that I just shared the Professor Shanita Akintande remix version of is a tune that would probably not get the boom these days, which means no airplay. And understandably so. As harmless as the original artist might have been with the intended message, it's the outcome of those type of communication pieces that must be carefully considered in the first place. Luckily for us, marketing maestros, in many ways, things appear to be changing for the better, particularly as it relates to recent depictions of the Asian community in media and marketing messages alike. But let's take a pause for the cause. I do not wish to imply in any way that the necessary work in this arena is complete. Far from it. With the rise of attacks against members of the Asian and Pacific Islander communities around the globe and the hashtag Stop Asian Hate campaigns that catapulted as a result, there is still much work to do. However, this point in time provides what I like to call a teachable moment, particularly in the marketing milieu. The art of slicing and dicing demographic profiles to ensure ethical and respectful tactics are deployed, and yes, it is an art, has always been tricky business for brands. It is particularly challenging around the holidays. That's because different people celebrate different traditions in different ways, if anything is celebrated at all. And with the pandemic thrown into the mix like 106, there are additional challenges that fickle consumers add to the pumpkin hash or Santa stash depending on how they get down, that permeates in pervasive packs at this time of the year. In this special edition of my Marketing Insights podcast series entitled Everybody Was Squid Game Watching, the viral hit series Squid Game will be unpacked and repackaged from a marketing landscape. 
I'm going to share with my fellow marketers, as well as our communication cousins, a logbook of lessons on what to focus on to increase everything from Christmas spending, Hanukkah disbursements, and Kwanzaa expenditures, all while showing how key and oft-overlooked demographics, in this case, the Asian community, can be properly added to the marketing leaderboard and what we can all learn in this special edition. First, a disclaimer. For those who are not familiar, Squid Game is a South Korean survival drama that launched on Netflix earlier this year. In the article entitled, What Squid Game Can Teach Brands About Consumer Research by Paige Letwig, that was written on November 12, 2021, for Market Intelligence, the author provides an overview of several points that marketers should delve into for further expansion of their brands. In this special edition of my Marketing Insights podcast, I will unpack a few of the points made in this piece, along with a little, no, make that a lot, of Professor Shanita Akintande's sauce mixed in for good measure. That would be me, (laughs) y'all. In addition, I will explore a few brands which are making concerted efforts to up their game as it relates to targeting the Asian community in marketing, as well as one who admittedly has more work to do. Their words, not mine. In conclusion, I'm going to tie this all together by sharing a few tried and true tips that all marketers, from the novice to the nobly seasoned, can use to better their diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts in marketing practice as an aggregate. First, let's wrap ourselves in a few more Squid Game facts. According to Netflix sources, Squid Game generated nearly a billion dollars in revenue for the streaming platform. That's with a B, y'all. 111 million households tuned in for at least part of the shows. And two-thirds of Netflix subscribers finish the series. When I hear numbers like that, I always look for ways to tie them into the marketing mix. In this case, the Squid Game series has already provided a cluster of calamari catches. Get it? Squid Games, calamari, catches. (laughs) And in order to not confuse you, I'm going to call them Squid Game Gains. Here's Squid Game Gain number one. This is another spoiler alert for those who have not seen the series or seen it in its entirety. What planet are you on? The original version of Squid Game used subtitles, but some viewers watched the dubbed English version. In the latter case, those episodes were found to be missing a few key ingredients. For starters, those who viewed without subtitles found that subtleties such as certain nuanced language and lessons were missed in translation. The author Paige Leddick suggests this is a key lesson for marketers as well. Leddick implores, 
it's not enough to carefully listen to your consumers, but to ensure that you do so in their language. Hot dog! I promise to try not to use food analogies for the rest of this podcast. Squid game gain number two. Look at the cookies. Squid game is all about problem solving, and that's something we as marketers know how to do in spades. What Ledick points out is the need to be agile in that process, i.e., look carefully at the cookie. Those who watch the series know what I'm referring to here. My personal take on this matter is that we as marketers need to be proactive versus reactive problem solvers. Let's do more to predict what will possibly be waiting around the corner versus only preparing ourselves to react to it. One way to do so takes us back to squid game gain point number one, which is to listen to our consumers and to never, ever, 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 ever underestimate what they tell us they want and what they will do if we don't deliver. There's a particular hard-headed character in Squid Game who had that lesson taught to him the hard way while attached to a frustrated fellow player during a 40-foot fall to their death. Don't let that be your brand, marketing maestros. Squid Game Game number three. Avoid consumer-tempered tantrums. Like Squid Game Game number two. Health have no fury like a woman scorned. Okay, my bad. Squid Game Game number three has its own mantra. It's the devil is in the details, particularly as it pertains to understanding key demographic data. Here's where the Squid Game series seals the segmentation deal. In another one of the games on the series, contestants needed to cross a bridge comprised of tempered and regular glass and the participants' ability to distinguish between the two meant life or death. In marketing terms, understanding what consumers want is essential to giving them what they need. I call it the price-value correlation. I've spoken about this principle in past podcasts, such as, So you want to build a brand? Brands that wow. Do they make a sound? And Dr. Feelgood. Go back and take a listen. But back to this podcast. According to Ledick, the Squid Games challenge that forced contestants to identify tempered versus real glass holds lessons for marketers as well. She says creating personalized campaigns for key audiences is similar to the test of fate depicted in this particular Squid Game challenge. With the right lighting or with the right themes and filters, the author predicts a triumphant outcome for all involved, at least for the brands. I call it No Pain, that's P-A-N-E, No Gain. The final two Squid Game gains are derived from a different publication, 
This one is from Entrepreneur Magazine and is entitled, Three Marketing Lessons We Can Learn from Netflix Squid Game by Pierre Soubet. In this piece, Soubet, who himself is an author, business expert, and award-winning executive producer, best known for advocating for Middle Eastern representation in publishing, points out that Squid Game demonstrates what is possible, and often at a fraction of the cost that advertisers might be used to spending to garner such wide impact. I'll use some of Subay's exact words for Squid Game gain number four. Redefine to avoid decline. My words, not Subay's. Subay writes, Squid Games redefined what is possible and broke past publicity records with a show that is both gruesome and highly disturbing. Ironically, Squid Game had virtually no press or marketing in the U.S. before its debut compared to all the other big Netflix shows, but it still managed to become the topic of the year, he concludes. Now let's move from Subé to Professor Shanita Akintande. That would be me, y'all. These are my words. You see, there was writing and rewriting and more rewriting. And after about 12 long years, that means this all started in the year 2000, y'all. And for my marketing maestros who are also mathematicians, I know you checked the math. Of blood, sweat, and tears of trying to get somebody, anybody, to pick up what the Squid Game script was laying down, but there were no takers. Apparently, the muckety-mucks didn't want to touch, let alone produce, such an unrealistic and violent piece. Their words. But bouncing back to Subé, who says, Just like any other marketing success, the show owes its popularity to a combination of luck and perfect timing. He continues, Word of mouth is more successful than the largest ad campaign. Which leads us to the final Squid Game point, and that's Squid Game gain number five. Don't stop, won't stop. Subé further states in his piece that due to the overwhelming popularity of Squid Game, people's social media channels exploded with memes, inside jokes, and story recaps that made the average person, himself included, feel that they positively, absolutely had to tune in to Squid Game, even if for no other reason than to be able to swap stories with their friends and loved ones. Apparently, there is a psychological tenet behind this. According to Dr. Rachel Hershenberg, a licensed clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Emory University, who is also the author of Activating Happiness. This type of behavior is called capitalizing. In a piece entitled The Psychology of Shared Experience, she states in an interview by Ms. Lee Long in a piece that examines the intersection of emotion and experience, phew, capitalizing is when you tell someone about a positive event in your life. 
The event could have taken place alone or with other people. The details don't matter. What does matter is when you get a chance to re-experience your positive event by drawing out the details and having a conversation that you elaborate on what was meaningful about it. Now, that might be a bit of a stretch to label watching the violent and often gruesome details of Squid Games as a positive event. But I do think what these acts point out are regarding the overall sharing of an experience as well as the amount of meaningful association that occurs as a result. Those weigh heavily regarding the buzz around Squid Game and the subsequent positive aftermath. Any brand can learn from these lessons. In other words, if your product, good, or service has got the community conversing. (laughs) Well, it's time to hold on to your purses because what comes next is the bring-bring of cash registers ringing. The paradoxical point is that the same gore and gruel that kept the show on the shelf is now what is making the original naysayers second-guess themselves. That's why it pays to stay gracious, marketing maestros. The best revenge is your paper. The next example I'd like to highlight is another Netflix number, but this one has a totally different tone and timbre. It's a documentary series entitled Found. Found is the story of three American teenage girls who were born in China abandoned by their parents during the country's era of the one-child policy and adopted by American families. Apparently, this occurred between the years of 1979 and 2015, an era when nearly 150,000 Chinese children were placed in American homes, most of them female, due to the greater quote-unquote value ascribed to boys by Chinese culture and society. Found is directed by Amanda Lippitz, the aunt of one of the girls in the film whose name is Chloe. The director follows the three young women on their physical and emotional journeys to find their birth parents. This is must-see TV or a streaming dream or whatever your choice of viewing is. All I can say about it is, bring the Kleenex. Notice I didn't say tissue. More on that distinction in a future podcast. But back to this podcast. My next and final example for this special edition of my Marketing Insights podcast series entitled, Everybody Was Squid Game Watching doesn't relate to Squid Game or Netflix, but still carries implications that involve the Asian community. This is an example of a faux pas, how it was fixed, and what my marketing maestros and anyone else listening to this podcast can take away as another gain from this very special edition. I call it the Mattel misstep. The toy company said out of its own mouth, y'all, that it missed the mark in introducing an Asian Barbie doll in its new purportedly inclusive Olympics toy lineup. 
Here's the deal, my deliciously discerning dewdrops. Apparently, despite best intentions, remember I talked about that in Squid Game Gain number one. The Olympic Barbie dolls that were released earlier this year ticked off several people who took to airing their disagreements online by telling the company that its lineup didn't include a Barbie doll who appeared to be Asian. A company spokesperson said, Our intention to represent the Asian community with the skaterboard doll fell short, and we fully receive and recognize the feedback. Mattel magnified its point by sharing that its skateboarding doll was meant to represent the Asian American community, but some Twitter users have said that they felt the Barbie doll didn't look Asian at all. The irony is, is that this past Olympics marked outstanding achievements of Asian athletes, including Suni Lee, the first Asian American to win gold in the gymnastics individual all around, and Philippine fencer Lee Kiefer, who was the first Asian American woman to win a fencing gold medal in general. Barbie has since stated, moving forward, she will work to find more ways to champion all representation and celebrate the amazing achievements of all Olympic athletes who are showing us that anything is possible. Just like I seek to do for you in each and every one of my podcasts, Marketing Maestros. Until next time, which will be our best time. This is Shanita Akintande, Professor author, career coach, and marketing shero, signing off. If you enjoy listening to these podcasts, be sure to subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play, and like them wherever you hear them. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Professor Shanita Akintande, or follow me on Twitter at underscore Shanita Speaks.